power of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen. Jesus, this morning I take authority in the realm of the spirit. As your servant and as a blood-born citizen of the kingdom of God. Your word says you were wounded for our transgressions, you were bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon you and by your stripes we are healed. Today, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every spirit of infirmity, over every disease, over every pain, over every bodily abnormality. I rebuke the power of sickness right now in the name of Jesus. I command sicknesses to leave people's bodies. Those here and those listening online, let the power of the Holy Ghost locate each and every one that is in pain that is sick, that has received a diagnosis from a doctor. Father, let there be a change right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We command long-standing pain to leave now. We command long-standing lab reports to change now. We command genetic situations to correct and realign with the purpose of God now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Anybody under the torment of depression, anybody under the torment of anxiety, you are loose today in the name of Jesus. You are loose today in the name of Jesus. May the joy of the Lord and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding reign supreme in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. By extension, if you have a family member that needs this prayer, I use you as a point of contact to touch that person right now. Father, dispatch your angels into the hospitals. Dispatch your angels into the homes. As we have lifted up the name of Jesus, show that indeed you are the boss. Indeed you are the king of kings and the lord of lords. We break the power of Satan over these people. Satan, loose them now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Just close your eyes, begin to bless the name of the Lord wherever you are. Just close your eyes, just let me hear you just thank God for your life, thank Him for the week that has just come to pass. Be profuse with your thanksgiving this morning. You are here and you said you'd never leave we need you lord we need you lord you are here and you said you'd never leave we need you lord oh jesus we need you lord you are here 
wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Father, this morning we are gathered and this gathering is unto no other name but unto the name of Jesus. If your word says whatever two or three are gathered in your name, you are there in their midst. Holy Spirit, we ask that you shall take absolute control. As I'm about to speak your word, may I not speak of my own accord. But may I speak as you grant me utterance. By virtue of the fact that I'm a blood-born citizen of the kingdom of God, I take authority in the realm of the spirit and I declare a supernatural injunction on any activity of the enemy in this place. We declare this place in the hearts and the minds of the people of God, sanctified and made ready for them to have an encounter with you through the word this morning. Take glory, Father, take glory, Son, take glory, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' most excellent name, have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Somebody put your hands together for Jesus. Oh, clap like you didn't borrow your hands. Clap like your hands are not ulcerated. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm not hearing your response. Is it because of the face mask? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We bless God for a beautiful morning like this. Amen. And as uh, Elder Harriet said, there are a lot of reasons to be grateful to God this morning. Hallelujah. We look on the left, we look on the right. There are a lot of reasons to be grateful to God. Amen. And we'll come to those things later. But how many of you are ready for the word? Okay. And today's a communion service as well. So we'll have communion at the end of the preaching hallelujah all right i think a week or two ago i declared that from now to the end of the year we are dedicating it to serious prayer all right so we are in a season of prayer amen we won't wait till we enter 2022 to pray hallelujah we we are clearing what has to be cleared even before we cross over and enter the year 2022 we won't wait till 31st night to come and pray all our prayers in one night it doesn't work that way amen but as i keep telling you 2022 will be a marvelous year oh you didn't say amen because you don't believe it i said 2022 will be a marvelous year it is potentially the best year you've ever had in your life hallelujah it will be a great year amen so I've been, I've been speaking on the subject of prayer. Last week I spoke to you on what happens when we do not pray. What happens when we do not pray. Um, I didn't finish with that. I was supposed to continue this week. But if you had midweek, I told you I will hold on with that and continue. Because um, God has instructed that we enter a period of spiritual warfare hallelujah yes before the year ends we we, we we need to put the devil in his place before we enter 2022 hallelujah so today i'm going to teach you on the subject of spiritual warfare everybody say spiritual warfare so the title for the facebook uh, folk is spiritual warfare into bracket the positioning of the believer the positioning of the believer hallelujah today i'm going to trust god that by the power of his word 
he will reveal to you what our positioning is as far as the subject of spiritual warfare is concerned you know the subject of spiritual warfare is one that sometimes can divide us as christians different people have their views some believe there's no need for spiritual warfare because the victory has already been won by jesus christ etc some too believe we still need to do it and um i belong to the second group hallelujah i believe there is still a place for spiritual warfare amen and the scripture i stand on usually when i'm defending this point is the portion of scripture that says behold i give unto you power to trample over scorpions and snakes and over all the works of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you the proponents of the fact that we don't even need to do anything stand on the fact that we have been given power and the enemy can do nothing to us so why bother with things like spiritual warfare but if you say that then what do you mean is that what jesus said was behold i give unto you power and nothing shall by any means harm you but that was not what he said between the giving of the power and nothing shall by any means harm you he said there is some trampling that needs to be done and that trampling he will not do it for you you must do it yourself hallelujah so when we engage in spiritual warfare we are doing the trampling that he has empowered us to do amen and the bible says that for this reason the son of god was revealed that he may destroy the works of the enemy somebody say destroy the works of the enemy say it again destroy the works of the enemy and when jesus was leaving one of his final words to his disciples was that as the father sent me so send i you hallelujah he was passing on the baton the reason he came was to destroy the works of the enemy he said as the father sent me so send i you hallelujah today i'm trusting god to let you understand our positioning when the the subject of spiritual warfare comes into question amen now um there'll be a lot of scriptures so you have to follow me very carefully all right yes you have to follow me very very carefully i'll run through them quickly you need to follow me i've given the media people my scriptures ahead so it will come quickly and then we'll be moving amen and the whole preaching is like a story so you have to follow the storyline hallelujah so that you don't get lost at any point in time at the end everything will come together beautifully and you will understand where i'm coming from amen all right so you follow me you follow the the, the storyline of what i'm about to tell you praise the lord now there are a lot of parallels between we believers as in christians and the nation of israel all right i mean when you read the old testament and you look at what the israelites went through the fact that they went to into bondage in egypt under pharaoh you see pharaoh is a type of satan all right they were under bondage god anointed moses moses came led them out of egypt they crossed the red sea they entered the promised land in the same way before we became born again we were under the pharaoh devil the devil all right god brought jesus christ and even if you look at 
the very last thing that ensured the deliverance of Israel from Egypt it was the sacrificing of a lamb that was that was without blemish all right that was the very last thing that broke the back of Pharaoh's resistance and that lamb was a type of Christ a lamb that was without without blemish hallelujah and there were some instructions that were given to them where that lamb was concerned one it was supposed to be without blemish and two they were expected to eat all of the lamb everybody say eat all if that lamb was a type of Christ that it means when you accept Christ you must accept everything that comes with the package of accepting Christ amen salvation is a package and you must eat everything there is salvation in salvation there is deliverance in salvation there is healing in salvation there is prosperity in salvation and you are expected to eat all of it hallelujah you don't take just the salvation part and then leave the rest there is more in God hallelujah so the parallels are a lot and one thing you realize about the people of Israel is the fact that they were constantly engaged in wars the Old Testament is full of battles wars here and there all right it should tell you that the people of God are made to fight the people of God are made for battle amen yeah one moment it is the Amorites the another moment another moment is the Amalekites another moment is the Philistines all sorts of eyes and eyes fighting them every corner and I want to submit to you that the battles that the people of Israel fought in the physical we as part of the commonwealth of Israel when you read Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12 we are part of the commonwealth of Israel now the paradigm shifted when Paul stated in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood that means we are not going to wrestle against physical Amorites we are not going to wrestle against physical Philistines we are not going to wrestle against physical Amalekites he said we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness seated in high places hallelujah so the fact that there is a battle has not changed just that what the Israelites fought in the physical we are now going to fight in the spiritual and I've told you that from Tuesday our visitation we are focusing on spiritual warfare and I'll bring out some of these things the Philistines represent something the Amorites represent something the Amalekites represent something the Midianites represent something and these are spirits that we fight in the spirit already. Jezebel was a woman a human being but the spirit of Jezebel still operates the spirit of Jezebel represents something hallelujah so we'll go into some of those things and deal with them in the place of prayer amen so the paradigm has shifted and whether you like it or not you are in a battle the apostle Peter said be sober and be vigilant for your adversary the devil walketh about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour." the prophet Isaiah said every battle of the warrior shall be with confused noise and garments rolled in blood but this battle shall be with burning and fuel of fire the Bible said from the time of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violence shall take it by force hallelujah so whether we like it or not we are in a battle whether you sign for it or not 
I'm telling you that the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you signed up to be in warfare. Amen. And how our lives turn out, how things turn out in our lives depends on whether or not we understand the war we are fighting. How things go, even in our marriages, is dependent on how we understand this war that we are engaged in. Amen. And so, as part of the commonwealth of Israel, we have signed up for war. So, how come things like principalities and powers and demons and rulers of darkness came into the picture? And that is what I'm going to take you through. When you look at Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12, that is where all the problems started. School of ministry people, you should be able to quote the scripture for me without, you know, and school of ministry people, I've just not had time to mark your exam, but by the middle of this week, probably by tomorrow, crap, I may finish, so that you know how well you did. Amen. I, I know, I've glanced through a few papers. I realized, Charlie, people perform though. One or two papers that I've looked at. I am looking forward to the average going up from the last one. The last exam, the class average was 82.7%. This time, maybe it will be 90. <laughs> Alright. Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12. He said, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations verse 13 this is where it all started verse 13 is that for thou hast said in thine heart i will ascend into heaven i will exalt my throne above the stars of god i will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north verse 14 he said i will ascend above the heights of the clouds i will be like the most high I will be like the Messiah. That is where all the problems started. This guy called Lucifer entertained pride. I don't know where the pride came from. Because until then, there was nothing like sin. But it's one of the questions we understand when we go to heaven. Hallelujah. So who tempted the tempter? <laughs> who induced him to do what he did? Sometimes people can ask pastors difficult questions. You know a question somebody asked me. He said, does God still love Satan? I said, I don't know. Ask him. <laughs> That's the truth. I don't know. <laughs> After all that is done, as of God, he's capable of doing anything. Hallelujah. I told you one day, I was going to drop my daughter long ago when she was three years old. I said, Daddy, can I ask you a question? I was going to drop her in school. I said, yes, ask. He said, Daddy, who is Satan's mommy? <laughs> I said, Satan doesn't have a mommy. He said, uh, I understand. That is why he does bad things. He doesn't have a mommy to tell him, stop it, stop it. It's the mommy who always do the hey, stop it. He doesn't have a mommy, so he's misbehaving. So you must put him in place. Hallelujah. In this place. The mommyless Satan. You have to discipline him. <laughs> so this was where it all began. A coup d'etat started in heaven. So I've started the story. Once upon a time. Uh, so I've started. 
there was a coup in heaven that was led by an entity called Lucifer. Alright? And the Bible makes us understand that he managed to convince one third of the host of heaven. When the Bible talks about the host of heaven, it's talking about the angels. He managed to convince one third of them to join him in the rebellion. I wonder what he told them. I wonder what it was that he managed to use to convince them to come to follow him. He probably promised them as it is believed that he was the choir director. Maybe he started with the choir members. Hallelujah. Loyalty to their boss. <laughs> promised better instruments. <laughs> Elder Dave. <laughs> better instrument longer worship time special programs like yeah better slots for you know the boys and the girls some way somehow he managed to convince them one third but you see that battle in heaven god didn't take part in it i mean how can the creator fight the creature it would have been a mismatch so the bible said michael and the angels they gathered themselves and they defeated these rebels and threw them out of heaven. Hallelujah. The creator will never fight his creature. It is a mismatch. I mean, God made Satan. He could have unmade him. You have just unmade him. He is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. School of Ministry, when we learned about angels, it was one of the three things we said. They are not omnipotent. They are not omnipresent. They are not omniscient. That's what separates them from God. Hallelujah. So Michael and the angels fought these entities. And you see, it's interesting that it was one third. Because what it means is that two thirds remained on the side of God. And it is this one third that became principalities, they became powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, all those things. And if one third were the ones who became this, what it means is that for every one demon there are two angels that is why the bible says them that are for us are more than those that are against us hallelujah when you are confronting the enemy you know that you are coming from a position of advantage because those that are for you and the two is to one ratio was clearly demonstrated in daniel chapter 10 when the prince of persia thought it was a one-to-one -one ratio and he went and withstood gabriel the two-to-one ratio came into being when Michael was released and came to engage him and Gabriel broke through and brought the message. Hallelujah. So they are outnumbered. That is, that's the first point I want you to understand. They are clearly outnumbered. And you see, Satan doesn't have the ability to create. So the ratio, as far as I'm concerned, is at least two is to one. Because God can decide to create more. From that time to now, he probably has created billions and billions more of the angels. Hallelujah. So the ratio is at least two is to one. I want you to know today that for any demon the devil will send into your life, there are two or more angels that God can send for you. Hallelujah. So they were thrown out of heaven. And where were they thrown to? Let's read the verse 15 of this. So this one was speaking specifically about Lucifer. He said, Yet thou shalt be brought down to where? Hell. To the sides of the pit hallelujah 
So they were thrown down to hell. Now the question is, where is hell? Ask somebody, where is hell? Ask another person, where is hell? So today I want to show you where hell is. Hallelujah. So hell, according to the scriptures, is here on earth. <laughs> I'll show it to you from the scriptures. It's here on earth. Hallelujah. You realize that a lot of the scriptures that spoke about hell, it talked about going down to hell, down to hell, down to hell, down to hell. Alright? In actual fact, the, the theological belief is that hell is at the center of the earth, the core of the earth. When you go down, 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 you know the earth is a sphere. So the center if you are here, when you go down, you come to the center. When you are here, you come to the center. It's at the center. That is what is believed. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4 verse 9. How many of you know that when Jesus died, he went to hell? You've learned the Apostles' Creed, he went to hell, blah, 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 blah. This scripture will tell us where hell really is. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 9. It said, now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first? Before Jesus ascended into heaven, the three days that he was dead, he descended into hell. And look at what he's saying. He said, now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first, where? Into the lower parts of the earth. The other scriptures, but because of time, I only give you this one. To show you that hell is actually here on earth. Alright? It may be a, a spiritual space but within a physical territory just as you can go to some place and they'll tell you that this is where the witches meet when you go there you'll not see them meeting because the meeting is a spiritual meeting but it is within a physical territory all right they'll tell you that this tree this is where they chew the human meat and human when people say those things don't think they are jokes Accra demons are very civilized when you go to other places you see things when I hear American preachers talking, it's as if demons don't tell you. say, come to Africa. Come and do one month internship. We'll push you to some corner of the nation. You will repent. You will start praying. Say you don't believe in spiritual warfare. <laughs> so hell is right here on earth. It is a spiritual space within a physical territory. Alright. So why am I talking about hell? That was where they were thrown. They were thrown into hell. And what was hell meant to be? Hell was meant to be like a remand prison. So somebody will ask, what is a remand prison? When somebody goes to steal chicken and he is caught, they put him at, they say, counter back. Right? It is a jail of a sort. It is a, a little prison. They keep you there until judgment nobody goes back to counter back after judgment after judgment then you are moved to in maximum security prison that is your final destination so hell is like the remand prison it's like the counter back where they, are, they were supposed to have been kept until final judgment hallelujah so what i'm trying to tell you is that hell is not the final destination of the devil and his cohorts and those who support them hell is not the final destination and I'll show you that through um, Revelation chapter 20 verse 14. 
Hell is not the final destination. In fact, hell and the lake of fire are not the same thing. Get that right today. The lake of fire and hell are two completely different things. In fact, hell will be bundled and thrown into the lake of fire. So hell is like the remand prison. It's like the counterback. And the lake of fire is like the insurance maximum security prison. The final place that they are supposed to be. So Revelation chapter 20 verse 14 says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. If they were the same thing, you can't cast one into the other. So the lake of fire is there. As we speak right now, nobody is in the lake of fire because judgment hasn't taken place yet. There are people in hell, but nobody is in the lake of fire. So it says, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Hallelujah. So why am I taking my time to show you where hell is, what hell is, and all of that? This whole thing about the rebellion in heaven happened before God created man. And come to think of it, God threw these rebels out of heaven and he put them on the earth in hell. And he created man. There were other planets. Jupiter was there. Saturn was there. Uranus was there. Nowadays, is Neptune still considered a planet? I know Pluto has been taken out. Is Neptune still a planet? Yeah. Mars. All these planets were there. But God decided that the one that these rebels, these bad guys are, are occupying. That is where I'm going to place man. So he put man on the earth. But there was a reason why he did that. Hallelujah. And I'm going to show it to you through the scriptures. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. That's the reason why God put man on the same planet as these rebels. In fact, God put man on the planet to be the prison officers. To be the, the policemen. To be the military men. To keep these guys in place and in check until their final judgment. Hallelujah. That was God's original intention. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. This is what we've come to know as the dominion mandate. He said, and God said, let us make man in our own image. After our likeness and let them have dominion. Somebody say dominion. Over the fish of the sea. Over the fowl of the air. Over the cattle and over all the earth. Say all the earth. Say it again. All the earth. And I've said that hell is part of the earth. So if they say all the earth, it means this dominion mandate also covered hell. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Let's look at what the Bible says in the same Genesis 1, this time verse 28. He said, and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Somebody say subdue it when you read the meaning of subdue it means to put under your feet man was supposed to dominate the earth and if hell is part of the earth then that means this dominion mandate that God gave man also included hell it included principalities it included the devil it included rulers of darkness spiritual wickedness hallelujah so man was supposed to be like this empowered being that was supposed to come onto the earth and ensure every prison needs a prison officer every prison needs a warder to keep the prisoners at bay and these guys were, were like prisoners all right they had been thrown and put behind the counter awaiting judgment 
So there must be somebody who has been given the authority to ensure that they don't misbehave until the final judgment has been pronounced upon them. But then they realize that if we allow this prison officer or this military police that has been brought to ensure that we stay at bay and we do not misbehave, if we allow and get him to lose his power, are you for we also not have our freedom? So let us see how we can get him to lose his power. Are you following the story so far? And so their boss decided to possess a serpent. And the serpent went to the woman. You see, if you are supposed to be an enforcer of the law and you break the law yourself, you lose the moral right and the authority to enforce the law. It's as simple as that. Let us get the law enforcer to also break the law so that he loses his authority so we can be free. They were planning a jailbreak. And so he possessed the serpent and he chose the serpent carefully because the Bible said of all the animals the most cunning was the serpent the most cunning he needed somebody who was smart he didn't, he didn't need an animal that was fast it wasn't work for speed he didn't need brute force that's why he didn't go for the lion he went straight for the serpent because the serpent was cunning and the serpent managed to deceive Eve and Eve broke the law that God had given unto them that don't even touch this thing let alone eat it some people claim the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil was sexual intercourse and that the serpent who was the devil slept with Eve first and that was what produced Cain that was why he was wicked revelation <laughs> Uh, be careful of the things you said are deep. <laughs> Everybody wants to be deep. When you read Jesus' sermons, they weren't deep like that. Too. They were simple stories he was telling. Everybody wants to be deep. They said it was sexual intercourse. The fruit of the knowledge of good and evil was sex. God said, don't have sex. And they went to have sex. Go back to the Genesis 1.28. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. How were they going to be fruitful? How were they going to be multiplied? When the same God has said, Don't have sex. Asexual reproduction. Binary fishing. They are doing national science and mass quiz here. The Premper people are happy here. Obed, Donald Trump didn't go to Premper College. I saw your status today. <laughs> Were they supposed to reproduce by binary fishing or what? He had given them authority. So that theology falls flat on his face. Hallelujah. I saw a whole book written on that revelation. The book's title was The Revelation of the Century. You see, when people don't have people speaking into your lives and overseeing them, and they are doing just anything at all, you, you waste money. To print a book with such I don't want to use the word that starts with N <laughs> and be deceiving people hallelujah and so they managed to get the prison officer the, the military man the policeman who had been put there to keep them at bay to also fall foul of the law so what happened was that the military man lost his uniform 
he lost his prison keys. You see, what gives the prison officer the power over the prisoner is the keys he has. There was a time my keys, my bunch of keys were many. They, they didn't even fit into my pocket. My wife was like, are you a prison officer? <laughs> it's the keys that you have. If you're able to get those keys out of their hands, you can break jail. And so man lost his authority that day. He was stripped of his uniform. And so they broke jail and now they could do whatever they wanted. That was when they started terrorizing the earth. Sin came. Sickness came. All sorts of things came. But you see, nobody at that time had authority over powers of darkness. Nobody. Everyone from that point in time was born in sin. So you, you don't have any authority over them. I keep telling people that God and the angels must have worked over time in the Old Testament just to keep these guys at bay. Because nobody, what name are you going to use to, to, to keep them at bay? Nobody cast out a demon in the Old Testament. The closest anybody came to doing that was David's hands on the harp. When he played and the Bible said, a spirit came to torment Saul and he will leave. I mean, when he played it, he will leave. That was the closest. Elisha never said, come out. I banned you. Or The authority was simply not there. That was why Elijah, after dealing with the prophets of Baal, these were demon-possessed people, idol worshippers. They were, they, were, they were occultists. After defeating them on the, on, on the Mount of Camel, if he was a modern-day New Testament believer, he would have taken them through deliverance and cast out those, those demons out of them. But Elijah didn't have that power, so he had to do it by his physical brute force. He took a machete and murdered 850 of them. Because he didn't have the power. Hallelujah. So the devil had a field day. He was just misbehaving and doing all sorts of things. So the Trinity had to put together a plan to restore man to that original position of being able to keep the devil and his cohorts at bay. Hallelujah. And this only could happen after blood had been shed for the remission of the sins of man and I'm talking about the blood of the Lamb of God Jesus Christ himself hallelujah do you know that even while Jesus was on earth until he died his blood had no power until he died his blood had no power somebody say oh the disciples were casting out devils and stuff. yes they were casting out devils but they were doing it on borrowed authority you see now there are some phones that you can use to charge other phones you can do power sharing with phones. Oh, you don't know that one? Stop using yam. <laughs> oh, oh, am I lying? There are phones that can be used to charge other phones. That was what they were doing. He said, the Bible said he gave them authority over sicknesses. He gave them, he gave them, it's like, okay, let's do some power sharing. I'm the one who has the power. And that was why when somebody was asking, why is it that your people, they don't fast and stuff like, he said, once they have me around, they don't need to fast. But when I go, they will have to fast and get the power for themselves to be able to do the things that they are doing. Hallelujah. So they were working and operating on borrowed power until Jesus Christ died. So the Trinity had to put together a plan. And the plan had to involve one, the shedding of blood. And then two, somebody entering hell. You see, they turned the hell from a prison into a headquarters. 
That's what they managed to do. After they broke the jail, after they, they got man who was supposed to be the prison officer to lose his authority, they turned what was supposed to be a prison now into a headquarters. The place for coordinating their activities. So, aside the shedding of blood, it was necessary for somebody to boldly enter this headquarters and confront the powers of hell and dispossess them of the keys and come out in victory and come and reinstate man. And so there was a time, I think in Matthew chapter is it 16? I think Matthew chapter 16 is it verse 17. He promised the disciples something. He said, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom. It was in the future. At that time, he hadn't died yet. He didn't say, I give unto you the, the keys of He said, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom. And so when Jesus died, as we read from Ephesians chapter 4 verse 9, he entered hell. He didn't go there just to go and take a walk. He went there to go and engage the devil and the principalities and powers in an open fight to take back the keys that they stole. Hallelujah. And the result of that battle is found in Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 where the Bible says, Jesus Christ having spoiled principalities and powers, he made an open show of them, triumphing over them. Hallelujah. So he went, defeated them. That was after he had shed his blood. When they defeated them, and I can just imagine Jesus standing face to face with the devil. Give me back the keys. And after he emerged, in Revelation 1.18, he said, I am he who died, and now I am alive forevermore, and the keys of death and hell are in my hands. So Jesus went and collected the keys back. So now anybody who accepts the finished work of the cross, anybody who plugs into that suffering on the cross anybody who accepts jesus christ as his lord and personal savior jesus christ literally takes you and puts back your military uniform on you and reinstates you and gives you the authority to police the devil it gives you the authority to police the principalities and powers that's why he said you see whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven he promised that after he said, I shall give unto you the keys of the kingdom. And he went on to say, whatever you shall bind on earth is bound in heaven. Look, we are like the military police on earth. Hallelujah. We, 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 we determine what we permit. We determine what we allow to happen. And there are a lot of similarities between us and the police. First of all, the police have their uniform. And we also have our uniform. Found in Ephesians chapter 6. If you read from 10 to 18. We talk about the whole armor of God. We're talking about the helmet of salvation, etc. And you see, what gives a policeman or a military man his authority is his identity. Somebody say his identity. It is his identity. The uniform they are wearing. That is what makes your heart beat. If you are driving and you know your license is not correct, your insurance is not correct, your roadworthiness is not correct, the moment you see the black uniform of a policeman, your heart begins to beat. It doesn't matter how slim and small that policeman is. You can see a policeman that this one, if they release the two of you, take off your uniform, let me take my, you beat him into power. But so long as he is wearing that uniform, 
you can be driving the latest V8. If he stands in the middle of the road and raises his hand like that, if you're a man, cross. And that is how we are as believers. Our identity as children of God is the source of our authority. That uniform that Christ places on us the day we become born again, that is what the devil sees and he shivers. You see, the policemen, their authority is on their chest. The badge that they have. Once they have that badge on their chest, what it means is that all the powers of the government of Ghana are backing them. And we do we have our badge on our chest. It's called the breastplate of righteousness. Not he didn't even say the breastplate of holiness. There's a difference between holiness and righteousness. Righteousness means right standing. Holiness means right living. There's a place for that one. Righteousness, the right standing means now you have been made right with God. That one, you don't have a hand in it. It is a pure work of grace. That's why the Bible says, you see, your righteousness is like a filthy rag. You cannot be righteous on your own. Your righteousness is what is imputed on you when you receive Christ. But as for the holiness, which is right living, that one, you do it yourself. Hallelujah. And he says, the breastplate of righteousness. Our badge is on our chest. It is the righteousness of Christ. That is what gives us our identity. The enemy sees that and it's like, look, this guy, there, 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 there is nothing on him. I, I, I have to obey him. When he speaks, I must bow. When, when he says I should move, I must move. When he says I should stop, I must stop. Our identity, that is it. That is why even the weakest believer can cause hell to shake. It's because of our identity. During the lockdown, a lot of people don't know. Many of the policemen you saw in town were people who hadn't even qualified yet. They were still in police academy. They were cadets. But the uniform alone, when you see them, your heart is beating. It is the identity. I want to submit to you that there is a uniform on you. That there is a certain identity on you. You may not even be as strong as you want to be. You may not even be as spiritual as you want to be. But by virtue of that uniform that has been placed on you, when you stand and you say, I bind you, it binds in heaven. When you say, I lose you, it is loose in heaven. When you say, devil, stop, it stops. When you say, I draw a bloodline and devil, you cannot cross it, it happens in the spirit. It is your identity. It's your identity. Somebody who converted from witchcraft said, I wish God will make every Christian a witch for 10 seconds. So that you see the power you people carry. You see, if you have driven before or you drive and you know your papers are not correct, there's some fear you have for the policeman. Eh? This one, it is experiential knowledge. If you have not experienced it, if you know you don't have a license, and these guys, these guys, these devils, they know they are perpetrating an illegality on earth. That thing they are doing in your family, causing divorce after divorce, it is illegal. It's time for the policeman to stand up. It's time for the military man to stand up. Raise his hand and say, enough is enough. This is how far you will go. Some families, they do business. It never works. You will do whatever. I bet that they can. Today, I pray that your, your, your mind will be open and your spirit will be open to what you carry as a believer. The devil is having too much of a field day. 
And it's because we believers are not exercising our authority. Look, when it comes to spiritual warfare, from what I've told you, we are not fighting from a position of disadvantage. We are not fighting as victims. We are fighting as victors. We are fighting as those that have already been given the victory from what Christ did on the cross and what he did in hell. We are just enforcing what Christ did. We are not the victims and we will never be the victims. A lot of people misunderstand the scripture that says that I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. They think it means the gates of hell are attacking us but they will not prevail. That's not what it means. You see, in warfare we have weapons of offense and weapons of defense. Gates are weapons of defense. Nobody attacks with a gate. You defend yourself by being behind the gate. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That means we are the ones marching towards the gate. And what he's saying is that that gate will break. That gate will fall. That gate is not going to stand. We are the ones on the offensive. It's not like we have been cowered into some corner and the devil is, is beating us and we must free ourselves. No. That is not a picture you must have in your mind. You are walking as a bold child of God. You are walking as a, a uniformed soldier. You are, you are walking. And you see, military men and police people too, they have weapons. And the good thing is that God has equipped us with weapons that are not carnal. Weapons that are not ordinary. Weapons that are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. So if you have the uniform, you have the backing of heaven, you have weapons that are superior, what is it that you are afraid of? Why is it that the devil has held you who is holding an AK-47 in chains when he is fighting you with a cane? And it's because we sleep. It's because we don't exercise our authority. It's because we don't stand as children of God and declare that devil, this is how far you go. Even the, the, the disciples on borrowed power, look at what they did. Until they got their own. You know the disciples, they were not born again while Jesus was, was there. They were not born again. The blood had not been shed. What was going to be used to wipe away their sin? So somebody will ask, when did they become born again? I believe it happened in John chapter 20 verse 22. You see, one of the cardinal things when you become born again is that you receive the Holy Spirit. It is when the Holy Spirit comes in that you are regenerated. You are birthed by the Holy Spirit. The first time they received the Holy Spirit wasn't in Acts chapter 2. When Jesus died and the Bible said he appeared unto them, the first time he appeared unto them, what did he say? He said, and when he has said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Jesus breathed on them for them to live again, for them to come alive. Just like God breathed into Adam in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 and that was the physical birth that made him a living soul. Jesus breathed into them and this was their spiritual rebirth. So you see, when you become born again, if somebody tells you, you only have the Holy Spirit when you speak in tongues, it's not true. The day you gave your life to Christ, you receive Christ. You receive the Holy Spirit. But the difference is that, imagine the Holy Spirit as a river. When you become born again, what you do is that, it's like you take some of the water in the river and you drink. But when you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, like it happened on the day of Pentecost, this time it's not like taking the water and drinking. You jump into the river literally. So what happened on the day of Pentecost was that Peter, James, John, 
after they had drunk of the river in this John chapter 20 verse 22 now in Acts chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost had fully come they now jumped into the river and were totally immersed in it that is why baptism is from the Greek word baptizo which means immersion immersion oh we carry power somebody say I carry power lift up your right hand say I carry power say when I bind it is bound in heaven when I loose it is loose in heaven when I permit it is permitted in heaven when I stop it is stopped in heaven in the name of Jesus I want you to stand to your feet I want to pray briefly you're going to stand in that place of authority you're going to command some gates to open in our lives hallelujah the Bible says lift up your heads O ye gates can I have the choir and be lifted up ye everlasting doors there are some things we call everlasting doors somebody say everlasting doors what are these everlasting doors they are all doors that people have not opened some of them are rusted some of them have big bad locks in them but today in the place of prayer we are going to break those padlocks you see these everlasting doors represents places people haven't entered there, there are places nobody in your family has entered there, there are realms of, of, of success realms of anointing realms of prosperity realms of relevance that nobody has entered that is an everlasting door but today whether the chain is old and rusted we are standing in the power and the authority of the finished work of the cross and we are declaring that these doors shall open it says lift up your heads all ye gates and be lifted up ye everlasting doors that the king of glory shall come in the doors will open because of your identity it, it will open because of, of of who has clothed you it is open because of who has died for you lift up your right and say in the name of jesus in the name of jesus say in the name of jesus in the name of jesus i think i'll need some intercessors to alongside say in the name of jesus in the name of jesus say today in the name of jesus of jesus by the power by the power of the holy ghost of the holy ghost by the power by the power of prayer of prayer say i command i command every door every door everlasting door everlasting door say open open say open open say open open and as you pray this prayer, I want you to imagine something you have never done before. Something that you have never even seen any member of your family achieve before. Realms of anointing that you have only dreamt of. Realms of power you have only dreamt of but have never seen before. In some families, nobody is able to own land. In some families, nobody is able to build a house. In some families, nobody is able to marry beyond 10 years. These are everlasting doors. But today we'll shatter the doors that are locked to those everlasting doors. We are entering. No millionaire has ever emerged from your family. No pastor has ever emerged from your family. No anointed man of God has ever emerged from your family. But today we shatter the everlasting doors. We break the chains on those doors. We break the padlocks of those doors. By the power of the Holy Ghost, we enter in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice and pray. Command the gates to open. For some of you, nobody in your family has gone beyond 50 years without having diabetes, without having hypertension. Oh, but break that door. 
Battle ground. From the time of John the Baptist until now, 
the kingdom of heaven suffered fallen. The fallen shall take it by force. you sing this song you are commanding those gates in your life to open don't get tired of singing the same word that song is a prayer on this own Center. Stay blessed. Overflow. Someone overflow.